this week on the Back Table Podcast. So tilting your head on a telephone down, operating with your head in one position, constantly looking at a screen in one direction, that is causing damage to the neck. So what you need to do is, first of all, straighten all the muscles in your neck. That's key. They got to be strong. Work on the shoulders, work on the base of the neck, get it strong. Use a cervical pillow to sleep on, which would help restore your cervical curve. Go to a chiropractor who knows how to adjust to get that cervical curve back. But it's our bad habits, more than anything else, that causes the problems. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Back Table Podcast. This is going to be a special cross-specialty episode on neck health and ergonomics. Very important to surgeons and interventionalists like myself. First, a brief message from our sponsor. RadPad was developed by physicians for physicians. Clinically proven radiation protection during cine and digital subtraction angiography. Don't bet your career or your health on anything less. Trust RadPad radiation protection shields for all your fluoro guided interventions. See radpad.com for more information and contact info at radpad.com for a free radiation evaluation and a no-brainer radiation protection cap. And don't forget to tell them that you heard about it on the Back Table Podcast. Now, back to the episode. I have a co-host today, Dr. Julie Wei. Julie, thanks for coming. Hi, Aaron. So good to be on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And special guest, Dr. Jerry Mattia. Welcome, Jerry. My pleasure to be here. So this is a topic I've been wanting to cover for a while now because I've suffered my own neck issues for our ENT listeners or urology listeners. You might be familiar with my voice, but I'm an infant radiologist, so we wear lead for a, a good amount of our procedures. And you know, lead tends to be heavy, and we don't have the best ergonomic situations a lot of times during our procedures. And I'll be honest, my first four or five years of career, I paid zero attention to it. I would, I would walk into a room and it would be a, you know, like an ultrasound procedure. And I would, you know, I'd, we're always staring at a screen because everything we do is imaging guided and the tech would have my screen way off to my left and I would be, you know, in some weird position. And then I'd wonder why my neck was hurting at the end of the day. And so uh, it wasn't until I sort of started talking to people about it, you know, obviously thinking more about it, asking my tech to improve the monitors that I really, you know, started seeing some improvement, but, you know, it's all wear and tear. So I'm now, you know, nine, 10 years into my career wearing lead. I feel like I need to even learn more about neck health so that I don't end up, the last thing I want is to have neck surgery. And so that's my reason for having Jerry on and Julie on. Julie's been through some of her own neck and shoulder problems. And so we're going to talk to her about, you know, her experiences. And so, First thing I want to do, Julie, is kind of introduce you as my co-host. Tell us a little bit about your career and your own issues with neck and shoulder pain. Yeah, thanks, Aaron. So I am a pediatric ENT surgeon, been in practice about 20 years out of fellowship training, just like you, right? I mean, we're barely surviving our volume, our patient demands, you know, a thousand clicks on the computer, and I'm proud to be a mom and a wife. So you know, your body just never stops. And I knew nothing. I don't remember during training ever hearing about neck health. I have to admit, never met or been under care by a chiropractor till amazing Dr. Mattia. So what happened to me, honestly, was I think in 2019, I did, I love tennis. I was playing tennis on weekends. 
I have to admit, I never worked out to be healthy to play tennis. I thought playing tennis on weekend meant I exercise. So I checked that box. I started having shoulder issues and then had shoulder surgery a year ago, developed adhesive capsulitis, and that's all okay. I was accepting it. It would take a long time to heal, gave up tennis, was living with chronic pain for a while. What really devastated me was in October of last year, I started having numbness and tingling, cervical radiculopathy in my thumb and my finger. So shoulder was the right side. I'm a right-handed surgeon. When the numbness and tingling happened, I didn't know what it was. And I just, you know, doctors are often in denial, just kept going to work. It wasn't until six weeks later, I got an MRI. I was kind of devastated, multi-level degenerative disc. But at C5 and 6, there was no CSF going through. So now as a surgeon physician, I'm looking at anatomical science evidence of my body. And I just was devastated. So... I'm saved thanks to Jerry, but we can we can talk about how I got to him. Yeah, so thank you for that, Julie. And and Jerry, I want you to kind of briefly tell us about yourself, your career, your location, and your passion about this topic. How did you first become interested in chiropractic medicine? Well, that's an interesting question. I was born with aortic stenosis, and I was given to the age of 15 to live. So right before my 15th birthday, they scheduled me back in 1965 for open heart surgery. Now, if you know anything about open heart surgery in 1965, nobody survived. Everybody who had it was experimental and they died on the table. My cardiologist at that time, he came out to talk to my parents and he said, uh, interestingly enough, he says, Mrs. Mattia, your son has six months to live at best. His heart valve is 93% closed. If you want your son for another six months, don't come in next week for the open heart surgery. He will die on the table. Now, that's something my parents had to pray over, and they made the decision of not having the open heart surgery, knowing that they'd have me for six months. Interestingly, my neighbor comes over because I had the worst allergies you've ever seen in your life. I was allergic to grass. So he says, they took their son to a chiropractor, and his allergies went away. So my mother decided to send me to a chiropractor, Dr. Arnie Taub in Nutley, New Jersey. I went to Dr. Taub, and I will tell you, I went religiously three times a week for six months, and absolutely nothing has improved with my allergies. So I questioned Dr. Taub on it, and he said to me, did you see that sign on the wall there? And I says, yes. He says, did you read it? I says, yes. It was about a stone cutter. He hit the stone a hundred times, but nothing happened. Yet on the hundred first blow, the stone broke. He says, you had these allergies for 15 years. He says, we're chipping away at it. Once it gets better, your allergies will go away. You've got to trust the body's innate ability to heal itself. Well, two weeks later, my allergies went away. Oh, that's beautiful. Then I, was, I had to go to St. Michael's Hospital for another cardiac catheterization. And this was the eye-opening experience to me, which actually made me believe that chiropractic worked. I'm having the cardiac cat. You know, when you have a cardiac cat, you're wide awake. And all I can hear the doctor say, this is a miracle. This is a miracle. The valve, which was rapidly closing, stopped closing. And they didn't know what to do. The only treatment they had me on up to that point was 500,000 units of penicillin every day of my life. They didn't want me to get any infections. So now I'm just thinking about this. I think I want to be a chiropractor. It's basically... Saved my life. This is when you were 15? 15, yes. 
hey, Lucas, yeah. you're supposed to die and you don't die. Right. You're going to become right. a believer quickly. So that's really what made up my mind. And, uh, you know, I went, I went to college. I took two majors, one in math and one in science and graduated two different colleges in three years. And I was excited, uh, you know, and I went to chiropractic school. I made a deal with my dad. All my uncles are orthopedic surgeons. My one uncle was CEO of President Hoffa LaRoche, a pharmaceutical company. So I said to my father, he did not want me to be a chiropractor. I said, Dad, whoever accepts me first is where I will go. I'm thinking I'm a shoe went for chiropractic school. All right. Well, three months later on a Monday, I opened an envelope. I got into New York Chiropractic College. Back then it was called Columbia Institute. Tuesday, I got into medical school. Wednesday, I got into dental school. And Thursday, I got rejected at veterinarian school. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so my father said, no, no, now you can go to medical school. I said, no, that wasn't the deal. I really didn't want to be a medical doctor. I really wanted to be a chiropractor. There was an unbelievable passion I had for it since I didn't have the surgery. Wow. Well, isn't that a tremendous story? It is. And, and so like, you know, from age 15 to you know, 22, when you applied for the schools, were you working with chiropractors or shadowing or learning more about it as a specialty during that time? No, I wasn't. I actually, um, once I got into college, you know, my family was very poor. So, you know, my parents are immigrants from Italy. So I actually had to work on weekends. So I worked basically installing flooring, selling flooring to make enough money to pay for her some of the college because I had a scholarship to the college, but I didn't have for books and everything else and cars and gas and everything else. So once I got into chiropractic school, the first thing in the world I did is I wanted to find the best chiropractor in the area that could teach me everything I need to know. Because as we all know, school doesn't teach you everything. You know, school will teach you what's in the books, but there's most care is out of the books. And I want to learn that. So I worked for a Dr. Bill Remley. I'll tell you how crazy I was. I worked for him for three years for free. I refused the salary. The day of my graduation, he hands me an envelope. It must have been about six inches thick. He put that salary away from me every week. And when I graduated, he hands me that, and that was enough for me to start a practice. Oh, wow. It was pretty amazing. He was the best. I still love him. That so yeah, that's a great special. Mentor. Yes. Yeah, I don't think Aaron and I will find people like that now, no. right? We have free labor? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that's basically internship, uh, right? We, 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 yeah, medical school, you come out with, what, a right. decade or two of debt. Yeah. yeah, no envelope. Yeah. Well, that Dr. Mattia has had such a tremendous life. Um, that's why I was confident he'd be great guest for our show. Yeah, so Julie, tell us how you kind of sought out Dr. Mattia for chiropractic treatment. Yeah, so I'll be honest. You know, I don't know about you, Aaron, most of us who are trained in allopathic, right? We, we kind of hear the word chiropractor, but between you and me and now the world who's listening to this podcast, I have my own bias, right? I, I don't know any chiropractors. I haven't had one touch my physical body. And the truth is, as a pediatric ENT, I would have some patients, right? They would come to me and go, oh, I went to a chiropractor. They adjusted my kid so that he won't get any ear infections and you can't help it. You're kind of like, uh, well, if that's true and worked all the time, then I'm out of a job. But to go back to how I was so blessed, we live in Orlando. It was about four, four and a half years ago. 
my husband, who's pretty healthy and is younger than I, he started having, he's had back pain. I think a lot of Americans do, right? But we've been married, you know, for probably 14 years then. And and it just started happening where once or twice a year, something would happen. Wrong position, his quote unquote, his back is out. You know that phrase, people say their back is out. Except the problem is he is incapacitated, laying in bed, can't walk. We have a, a child you know, who's in elementary school. I'm a surgeon. I've got a full day of clinic schedule. I'm always secretly a little guilty, right? My first reaction should be, oh my God, that's so horrible. Are you okay? The first thing is, oh no, who's going to take care of the kid? I got to go, right? I leave the house at 6.30. So I remember it was a really bad episode. I was desperate. I went to work. I'm in the middle of work. And Jerry Mattia and his wife, Paulette, we, I hear the name all the time living in our community. He was very well known. He, um, he can tell you he treats a lot of professional athletes. The name just kept coming up. So I'm at work. It was two o'clock. I'll never forget. I asked somebody for his number and I called him. I said, hi, uh, I know you don't know me. I'm Julie Wei. I'm an ENT. I lived in our neighborhood. I am desperate. I'm sorry to bother you. I got a husband laying at home <laughs> who can't walk. And um, as always, I can tell you, anybody would say this about Jerry. He's like, what time can you get here? What time can you bring him? And I'm thinking to myself, whoa, it's two o'clock. I've got, <laughs> you know, nine more patients, but I made a decision. I said, my, I'm going to cancel them. If you can get me in, I'll go home, put my husband in a car, we'll come to you. So long story short, I couldn't believe he saw us that day. We went in, my husband was barely walking, got some x-rays, did whatever he did that I don't understand. But my husband walked out of that office. He wasn't perfect, but he was far better than. And so the funny thing is, Jerry, you'll, you'll tell them, right? So my husband was faithful. Saul, Jerry got treatments all the time. And over the years, you go into maintenance, right? And every t- Jerry would be like, you really need to come see me because I'll complain of aches and pains. And it's only if something horrible happens. You know, I kind of went a couple of times for, but I'll tell you in October when my arms were numb and I was crying, I mean, the first person I call is, is Jerry, right? Because he gave my husband life. My husband then was able to do P90X, exercise, has a healthy back, doesn't have pain, doesn't live in fear. And I trust Jerry. So Jerry, what I want to hear about is Julie had imaging that showed that she had this cervical stenosis. When somebody like Julie comes to you, how do you approach that? What's your kind of workup? Well, it's actually pretty simple. When somebody has degenerative disc disease with spinal stenosis, usually a herniated disc is involved in that because of the compression. Years ago, I helped develop a table called spinal decompression. Cervical spinal decompression will pull the neck at a negative 200 pounds of pressure and help that disc restore itself. The annulus fibrosis, right, in the disc dehydrates. So what we do is we use level four laser along with decompression, helps to rehydrate the disc. And then that frees up the nucleus, which takes pressure off. And when you do that, the obturator opens up and all of a sudden the person gets better. But it's not an overnight procedure. It's four times a week, usually for six to eight weeks, it takes to bring it back. And what it does, it takes all the pressure off the brachial plexus and the the patient responds tremendously. I have been doing decompression since 1998. I helped develop the tables. Probably over 40, 50,000 patients I've seen. And it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Done improperly, though, it is not amazing. 
You'd have to know, and there's formulas that you got to apply. You got to know to use level four laser. There are doctors out there using cold laser. Cold laser doesn't penetrate deep enough to make an effect. And then along with the adjustments, take the rotation out of the vertebra, take the pressure off the nerve. As a vertebra rotates, it actually rotates into the neural canal and hits the nerve. So we got to get the rotation out, but we can get the rotation out once we create the space. Yeah. So listening to you say that makes me kind of cringe, right? Because like I just, because I can imagine what Julie's talking about imaging wise, because I'm a radiologist, so I've seen it a bunch of times. And then imagining just some sort of manipulation, physical manipulation of my neck while I'm in pain, to me, just ha- I, I, it, it's this raw response that I just can't imagine. Okay. So I have to tell Aaron the story, right? Jerry, you know this. When I first, out of desperation, I mean, I'm crying and I trust Jerry. That's what he's done for my family, right? For my husband. So I get on that cervical decompression machine. It looks like a medieval torture device. (laughs) Initially, I'm kind of scared, yeah? And I can feel the traction. Okay, I do that. But you know what? I'm going to confess. I was still hesitant to let Jerry touch my neck. I know exactly what you're talking about, Aaron, because I think 20 years ago, I heard a story, whether it's a rumor or not true, that somebody gets adjusted and became paralyzed, right? So that's your fear. And this, I don't want anyone grabbing my neck because I watched too many violent movies, right? The Vikings, you know, where they took your life by twisting your head. However, I remember Jerry was never pressured me. He knew I was afraid. He just very gently, re- I remember his, him saying to me, Julie, for me to get you better, you know, we're decompressing, but I've got to be able to adjust you. And I just leap of faith against my own fear, founded or not. It's a very strong visceral, right, fear. And I said, you know what? Because I trust him. That first time, I'm not going to lie, right? You're just like, oh my God, oh my God. And you just, he's like, just breathe. And Jerry is so good at what he does. I have to admit, I'm not sure I will let anybody touch my neck. So I got over that. And a few more times later, you know, and the truth is my own daughter, who's 16, just started becoming a patient of Jerry's. She's doing great. Aaron, the one time you don't want to adjust a neck is when someone's in torticollis. Okay. You're going to traumatize. Yeah. But then you do laser therapy and there's other therapies that you can do rapid release, break down the muscle spasms until they come out of spasm. Then you can start adjusting them. But there's gentle ways of adjusting somebody. Okay. When you see these, some of these doctors, especially the younger ones, they don't have a touch because they're really not taught to touch, all right? It's really very simple to move a bone gently. You don't have to ever traumatize a patient. I've been doing it 45 years, and it's uh, probably the neck is the easiest part for me. So, Jerry, I understand you've cared for like countless professional athletes, Hall of Fame baseball players, football players, golfers. Why do you think doctor physicians have such a hard time? And I'm sure Julie's not the first one that you've had to convince. Well, Julie kind of put the nail on the head. Don't forget back in 1988, Dr. Will Chiropractor sued the American Medical Association because medical doctors were not allowed to refer to chiropractors. The medical profession took the stance that chiropractors injured patients. After two years in a court case, The chiropractic profession won, the Supreme Court backed it up. And since that point, things have changed. Now, the man that saved my life, Dr. Kevin Ackler, cardiac surgeon, did two of my open heart surgeries, right? His neck was a disaster. His low back was a disaster because the positions he put himself in, he decided to become a patient. Now, he's helping more people because he feels great 
on the during the operations. He's not hurting like he did before. So he's saving a lot more people's lives. And slowly but surely, over the years, the medical profession, more and more medical doctors come to me. I have about 30 medical doctors that come to me. And they're realizing that there is no negative effect to chiropractic if the chiropractor is good. And that's the key. But there's no negative effect to medicine as long as the medical doctor is good. So it goes both ways. Yeah, you could say the same thing about spine surgeons, right? I mean, there's a whole podcast about Dr. Death, right? Who is doing a lot of damage to the spine surgeon, you know, reputation, you know, and that's the thing is I don't, I don't want to have spine surgery either. And, you know, I have a hard time having any kind of procedure or surgery done. So it's not like it's specific to chiropractors. I, I feel like I just, doctors are choice for this. Like you wait till things are really bad to get help. Absolutely. And I think, I don't know if it's ego or what it is, but I think that's something I would struggle with. Aaron, I think it's horrible. The culture that we're raised is to be a good doctor, right? You forever put everybody, all your patients first. In fact, we would call out, we even put them first in front of our own families, right? And so the idea of canceling or calling out sick, it's because we're not supposed to be human. You know, I will say that I think it's normal to be a little bit hesitant of things you don't understand. I would argue that in the medical, in the allopathic education, it's unfortunate that there is, you know, implicit, explicit bias. Maybe we need to help people understand. And, and that for our patients, we're doing them a disservice. You know, if we don't understand something, we can say, well, I don't have any experience with that. But certainly to discourage them or not encourage them to explore all alternatives, because, you know, I'm pretty holistic. I think any, I'm just grateful today, um, June 1st, you know, the neurosurgeon said to me, you can live with your paresthesia forever or you have surgery. You know, they were showing me the titanium plate that we can put in and the risk and whatnot. And I just remember something in my heart says, no, 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 not unless I lost motor, right? I mean, if my life depends on it, fine, cut on me. But I trusted Jerry and I'm grateful I know Jerry. I'm grateful there's, you know, I don't think we're going to find many people like that, but I do think he can't be the only one that's helping patients. And so the fact that I, I don't have numbness, tingling at all, that completely went away. My shoulder is about 90, 95% back to normal. I didn't know this day could come, although he told me it would with confidence. The first day, you know, first day on that machine, he said, you're going to be all right. You're going to be okay. We're going to get you back all set. And I remember listening. Those words sound so good, but it's hard to believe that, right? Because I have this MRI image. The older chiropractors are the best because their teaching was far better in adjusting. You know, schools have changed. What's happening in schools, in medical and in chiropractic school, it's national boards. You have to pass those national boards or you can't become a doctor. So the education has been really directed towards passing national boards and not becoming a good chiropractor or physician, I guess. And to me, I would like it to be very good in what you do, have a passion for what you do. And the older people, the older chiropractors have that. Not so much the young guys. You know, when people found that chiropractors made a living, everybody went to chiropractic school. They didn't become chiropractors because they got results as a patient. They wanted to make money. To me, it's a passion. God has blessed me to do what I do. I love and I believe 100% of what I do every time. It saved my life. So I go in with a patient, I'm given 100%. 
And what I love about Julie is she gives 100% of herself first, even though it's going to injure her. So that's the passion she has. I think all doctors should have that passion. My cardiac surgeon is unbelievable, but he's not a guy that's been practicing six months. You know, he was taught by Cooley and DeBakey. I check everybody out. And he's probably the third best cardiac surgeon in the world right now. It's unbelievable. Yeah, that's who you want to go to. Julie, you know, I mean, we, we're seeing the same thing in medicine where it's like there's this hyper focus on basically scores all the way through training. And you forget to actually engage with people and, and learn like the real skills of, of being able to talk to people, spend time with people. I mean, that's what people want. And that's probably what was, that's probably what Julie found so helpful and honestly like therapeutic when she first met you is you were just like, I can help you, right? Oh gosh, Aaron. First of all, I'm just going to call out this challenge. Jerry and I are going to invite you to come to Orlando, okay, so we can heal your neck or at least try to help you. But here's what I wish this podcast can convey, but it won't. You have to experience Jerry and his wife's clinic, right? So, you know, this translates to our world because we all know what's happened, the pressures, productivity, revenue, RVUs, volume. Even at our, we do our best. We went into medicine because we're passionate. We want to help people. The problem is there's all these external factors, right? And now we have an epidemic of burnout and physicians retiring early and leaving. When you go to their clinic, okay, they can take care of multiple patients, but it's not just because we're friends. You always feel like you're the one that matters the most. The attention, but the most fun is Jerry's having so much fun. I'm kind of upset I pay him for a treatment, right? <laughs> he tells stories. He knows everybody. He's just laughing. He's goofing around. You know, I think it's that sense of connection, right? That is what's sorely missing right now, given all the tragedies. So I can't explain it, right? Having spent 25 years in, in hospitals and settings, I try to create that one-on-one -on -one with my patient. You try to create that with your team. But I'm going to say this, I, I'm also disheartened when I went to the ER for abdominal pain. Nobody touched my abdomen. What is that, right? I'm critical. I feel like the art of medicine is lost, right? They're busy shoving me in a CT scan so you can read it. And, and then they tell me, you're fine and you're dying in pain. But because doctors can't see pain, we're not taught about functional medicine. And this is what's humble me chiropractic medicine, as well as whatever, right? It could be nutritional counseling. There is so much acupuncture, right? I'm from Taiwan, the Asian culture. There's so much and so rich in humanity that heals. But in the Western culture, it's medicine or surgery, medicine or surgery to the exclusion of all these benefits. And society and humans are not better for it. Yeah. So Jerry, kind of along those lines, can you help our audience? First, let's talk about before they even need a chiropractor. Like the young, you know, if I could go back in time to, I was like two years out in practice and I'm running around and I'm not paying attention to ergonomics or my neck health. Can you give any advice, sort of preventative advice for surgeons and physicians to help prevent getting to that stage? Well, I'll tell you a couple of things that every human being does wrong. The development of cell phones. When you're on a cell phone, you're either like this with the cell phone to the side, you bend your head, or you're reading it and your head is tilted down 
reversing your cervical curve. You've got to realize biomechanically the cervical curve has a normal lordosis. You've got to have that curve for the rest of the spine to operate. Once you start doing things that take that lordotic curve away, that's when you're going to start doing damage. If you straighten out the cervical curve, the eight pounds that your head weighs is going to compress that spine. The reason for the curve is to prevent the compression. So tilting your head on a telephone down, operating with your head in one position, constantly looking at a screen in one direction, like you said before, that is causing damage to the neck. So what you need to do is, first of all, straighten all the muscles in your neck. That's key. They got to be strong. Okay? Work on the shoulders, work on the base of the neck, get it strong. Use a cervical pillow to sleep on, which would help restore your cervical curve. Go to a chiropractor who knows how to adjust to get that cervical curve back. I tell people when they go to, to a chiropractor's office, make sure you're not laying on your back when he adjusts your neck. Because what does he do? He lifts your head up and he takes the curve out. So the best way is either sitting rotaries where you take it and push the curve forward, or if they're laying face down the table, which is the hardest way for to me, but it's the best. You set it in straight down. You're going into the curve so you can restore that cervical curve. But it's our bad habits more than anything else that causes the problems. So I also developed some back pain recently. It's gone now. So I got to try the lumbar decompression machine and Jerry also helped to adjust. And I have to tell the story. I couldn't believe it, but I see it with my eyes, right? Jerry, you're going to have to explain how it is with our pelvis, right? Because watching my husband and my daughter, sometimes someone's laying prone. He literally will show me how one leg is shorter than the other. There's an asymmetry. And yet after adjustment, I don't think it's a magic trick. I think I see it every time. Now it's even, you know, you put, so this is stuff that I can't explain. I wish our audience can see it, you know? Right. Julia, is there anything specific to ENT? I know because you guys, you know, use scopes and you have your, your loops and your, you know, and it's just like what Jerry was saying. I imagine like when I see pictures of Gopi in the OR, it's that same thing. It's almost like she's looking down at her phone. And you're holding that position for long, long periods of time. So is there anything that you can do in the OR to prevent that? But I mean, it's hard because you got to look down, right? Yeah. So Jerry Gopi, Dr. Shaw, his wife is a pediatric ENT. And that's actually how I met Dr. Fritz. So yes, all these 20 years of how many thousands of tonsillectomies and tiny little mouth and having to wear a headlight. So it's not just eight pounds, right? The headlights were heavy as heck 20 years ago. There are several things. That's a great question. I will say that it's in addition to chiropractic medicine, I'm also blessed. I've undergone training by Johnson & Johnson, the Human Performance Institute for Energy Management, the gentleman who developed a seven-minute workout, right? So what I've learned now that I share with other surgeons, when you're constantly internally rotated head in, we weaken the shoulder and back muscles and neck muscles are very weak because we're unopposed. We're always internal rotation. So I would hope our audience will take care of their body. And one of the things to do, especially for surgeons, right? It's like I slouch. I yell at my 16-year-old. Make sure, right, that the shoulders go back. You don't internal rotate. When you're at the gym working out, I've learned to use things that 
where I'm pulling and I'm strengthening my rhomboid, my trapezius. So I'm sure I'm not explaining this very elegantly. And then no, you fin- are. I, I, yeah. I'm following, and, and finally, sure. those the things about the cell phone is hard. Ergonomics is making a huge comeback. There's now an ergonomic society. I just got introduced to the CEO or president. It's a whole lot of physicians and surgeons realizing what we never talked about. But this is devastating to give your life and career. And then you suffer injury. Sometimes it's permanent. So adjusting our computer screens at work. So it's eye level, right? Because when you go to the hospital, who checked our body? You know, I have partners. I brought one to Jerry for his back. Taller people, Jerry, tell us if we're right. Taller people tend to have problems. So he had to have a custom desk. You know, I think about in the operating room, say, you know, we built everything for one size human. I don't know what that size is, but none of it is custom to our actual body. And by the way, what I love is the ergonomic society. Their point is women are not men with smaller hands. So Ashley, that's a question I was thinking, Jerry. You know, I don't, I I just don't think that people take into account, but I wonder if Jerry, you can comment. Is there a difference between cervical spine curvature for different ethnicity, race, gender? Tell me. You're absolutely 100% correct. Asians have less curves than anybody else. They have very little cervical curve, almost no lumbar curve. It is amazing that their body is also smaller so they can compensate for it. But Asians in particular are the ones with no curves at all, spinal curves. We have to work on them to get it back. And it's simple. We put a, put a program together of exercise, nutrition, and adjustments to get that curve back. And they have to work it. Don't forget, patients are responsible for themselves. You can't be totally responsible. You can tell them you have to do these exercises, you have to use a cervical pillow or wear a sacral belt. You have to do this if you want to get better. And this is what I tell patients when they come in the office. You're going to do cervical decompression. You're going to spend a lot of money for it. You have to be here. It works best when you come this, 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 and this day. All right? Four days on, three days off. If you can do that, you're going to get the best results. But only you control how you can get better. Because if you don't listen and you leave the office and start doing things that are incorrect, you're not going to respond properly. You're not going to get the results you want. All right. Can I throw another question, Jerry? So can we talk a little bit about carrying weight on the body and the impact it has on neck and back? And come on. I mean, I encourage my doctor colleagues when I give talks on well-being, I just am pretty blunt in a gentle way saying, listen, cut out the crap, cut out the soda, cut out the excessive sugar. I'm not here to say dairy-free, vegan, never, you know, don't enjoy your life and cut out wine, which would be horrible. You can't hear that. But can you talk about that impact? Because as I've aged, you know, it's it's there. Well, what happens, Julie, is as we get older, first of all, our body is not chemically the same as it was when we were younger. Our hormones are different. Everything changes, okay? But bottom line is the less pressure you have on the spine, the better off you're going to be. The more weight you take off that body. Do you ever see the guys with the bulging abdomen that sticks out and it rolls over their belt? That's putting so much pressure on that spine, it's ridiculous. They have to come in between their brain here and say, look, I can't go on like this. I have to take care of my health. You know, to me, it's easy. I was born with a heart condition. 
So the first thing in the world is I know the less pressure on the heart, the better off I'm going to be. The heart doesn't have to pump as hard. These people have to come up with that attitude. You know, I love going to Europe. When I go to Italy, it's amazing because those people eat fresh vegetables every day in their garden. You go to a restaurant, they're picking the vegetables out of their garden. Everything is healthy. Even their meats, they don't chemically induce their meats like we do. So you know you're going to eat better, but you don't see any fat people. Now, the life, longest lifespan right now is Italy, but it's unbelievable how they care about it. And it's the old world that they didn't get rid of. I'll tell you what, I've never been in a fast food restaurant, but it's the worst thing you could do. It's chemicals. You're not eating regular food. You're eating chemicals. And so you're polluting the body. Well, I didn't mean to open up a can of worm, but I think for me, especially because our audience are physicians, I try to tell people, listen, a lot of challenges with eating, with whether it's not taking care of your body, because, you know, I have plenty of excuses, right? I work 11, 12 hour days. I come home to make dinner. I don't have time to take care of myself. You know, my singular message to our audience who are also physicians is, I know what you're thinking because I've been there. And it's, I hope you don't ever have to lose you know, develop cervical radiculopathy to decide, oh my goodness, I need to take care of my body because something worse may be coming. And so all these, it's so complicated, right? I have these, you know, I may be blessed with not being, you know, obese or, or the energy I devote to cooking, but I will tell you, I have some really bad behaviors, right? When I have a really stressful day, it's never about hunger. I cook, we eat a great dinner, but guess who's cooking spicy ramen at nine o'clock at night? It has nothing to do with hunger. So I think we just, at least I try in, in my presentations about well-being, is really to just call people to listen to their inner voice and be curious about what certain behavior is about, any behavior. And I think physicians are tough. We have this perfection mentality, right? If I can't go to the gym five days a week, I'm not going at all. If I can't do this 100%, I can't do it. You know, I, I just won't because that's a failure. I really think that our inner voices, physicians and otherwise, like Jerry said, to get your behavior, emotions, everything that supports well-being, then the thought is what drives all human actions and behavior, right? So you think positive, you think I'm worth it, self-esteem, self-love. I'm, a, you know, I think for physicians too, I've learned, we push through anything. I showed up operating in pain. I had ice strapped all on because all I care about is I, I can finish 12 cases today. I got this. But you're not really just realizing. So we are used to separating our body from our mind. Our mind can make us do anything and we just ignore the body. Not anymore, right? Just yesterday taking a walk, I made myself say out loud, thank you, heart, for beating. No, thank you, body. I look in the mirror. I'm 52. I wore a two-piece. Don't judge me this weekend at the Keys. And I had a talk with myself in the mirror because I show my husband a picture of me 10 years ago and I look so cute. So I said, you know what? This is the only body I have. So at 52, whatever this body looks like, extra bulge, whatever, I'm going to love it because it's mine and I'm going to take care of it and I'll take care of it the best I can. I won't be perfect, but it's given me a whole new feeling and way of loving myself. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that, Julie. So the last thing I wanted to talk about, Jerry, is basically like, how do we find a good chiropractor? We've kind of hinted at there being bad chiropractors out there. 
and I'm in Dallas and there's multiple chiropractic schools here. And it seems like every, you know, there's a lot of, you know, retail and then there's chiropractic offices intermixed, you know, in retail throughout Dallas. And so it almost feels like there are a lot of guys out there who are just in it to make money. How do we find the good ones? Well, first of all, you never go to anybody who's personal injury doctor. Okay. Stay away from them. Yeah. Because they don't care. All right. In Dallas, by the way, there's a Dr. Mancini who's very good. But what I would look for is I would look for somebody who's 45 years old or older. All right. Because, you know, technically they're better adjusters. You also got to look for somebody who has a severe passion for what they do. They will stay in that office however long they have to because they want to take care of people. All right. They want to serve people. And that's what I look for, their hearts. Because if they have a big heart and they want to take care of people, they are going to be really good at what they do. And usually it's the guys that have the family practices that have the biggest hearts. So I would look for a chiropractor who's got a family practice, has a great heart, doesn't want to rush out of the office, wants to be there, loves to be there. Hey, I'm, sev- I'm going to be 72. I've been practicing 45 years. My wife keeps on saying, are you ever going to retire? Probably it keeps me alive because I love being there. It is like intravenous for me. The passion is the most important thing and the passion of learning the art of chiropractic. You know, chiropractic is art, science, and philosophy. But if you don't have the art, the science and the philosophy mean nothing. The philosophy is important because you don't know why you're adjusting a person. That's not good. So you really need to look for that. I always felt the family practice chiropractors had the biggest hearts, the biggest philosophy, and are very good in the science of adjusting. All right. So that's what I look for. I wanted to point out, though, this is important, right? You never adjusted my husband or I without x-rays. Like that, oh, that we need to bring that up. I think, right? That's important. Somebody who tries to lay their hand on you without getting x-rays. I'll practice in 20, 45 years. There is no way I know how those vertebrates go unless I see it. I can have an idea, but I'm not 100% positive. So the greatest tool I have is shooting x-rays. All my x-rays have to be in weight-bearing situations. They got to be standing. When you lay down, it takes everything out of proportion. I want at least an APN lateral cervical, APN lateral thoracic, and APN lateral lumbar. The reason for that is the spine is one piece. I need to know how the whole thing is working. I will not touch a patient without x-rays. Not at all. If you walk into a chiropractor's office and he doesn't want to shoot x-rays, you go in there, they adjust you. There's no x-rays. Now, I'll tell you what. I wouldn't adjust somebody after 45 years. They have young kids out of school working there who technically are not that good. And all of a sudden, they're going blind into that adjustment. So I would stay away from that. You know, I used to be the president of the Board of Examiners in New Jersey for eight years. I've seen the good and the bad. But, you know, I was friends with the president of the medical board, and he told me the same story as I saw. So it's not my profession, it's all professions. So, Julie, that's all I had in questions. You got any more, anything, any final thoughts? Yeah. Thank you so much, Dr. Mattia. Just from the bottom of our heart, my husband and I owe you our health and I am just so proud that I just got released from disability. And now I actually wrote an article that's coming out in ENT today, this month, about cervical radiculopathy, right? Once you become a patient, boy, you are motivated to learn, read, 
share the good word with your friends. And and the reason I'm so grateful to you, Aaron, I think we need to do podcasts and have conversations and call out our own pitfalls, blind spots, things we don't talk about when it impacts our physical health and our overall health. Our families depend on it. We depend on it. Our patients depend on it. And so I wish we had, if we had another hour, we would talk about Jerry and his wife are going to Italy soon. We would talk about his wine cellar, his amazing bird and his car washing every Sunday. I mean, there's a whole other human above and beyond the gift of hands and heart. Well, Jerry, thank you so much for joining us. It was really enlightening. I, I'm glad I got to talk to you. Definitely changed my perspective on, on chiropractors. I, like Julie said, if you don't know about it, then that's to say you don't know about it. So you're going to be fearful, of course. And so I, I appreciate the information you provided today. And I hope our audience can also get help from this. And also, if anybody in our audience is in the Orlando area, how do they find you? Okay. My name in my office is Viscogen, V-I-S-C-O-G-E-N. It's in Lake Nona. And all I have to do is look in the directory. I wish I knew my phone number. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> I never called myself. Do you guys have a website? Uh, what's our website? Viscogen.com. Perfect. I only focus on patients. Thank God yeah. I have the best wife in the world. Aaron, I have to say one thing. A couple of years ago, I thought the biggest breakthrough I've ever seen by a leading orthopedic surgeon in the United States. He was the orthopedic surgeon for the uh, Cincinnati Reds and the baseball team, Cincinnati, uh, their football team, Bengals. And Barry Larkin was their shortstop, all-star shortstop. He had a radiculopathy, actually made yours look good, Julie. He couldn't throw the ball from shortstop to first base. And of course, they want to do an operation. And he happened to hear about me and he decided he wanted to come. Well, his orthopedist sa says to him, I'm not going to let you go there by yourself. I'm flying out to Orlando, Florida. I want to talk to him before he does anything to you. I don't want you injured. And I was kind of a little bit nervous. Here's this guy flying all the way from Cincinnati who takes care of the, the Reds. I mean, he took care of Ken Griffey, who's a patient of mine, and a whole bunch of other people. And he walks in and he wanted to know everything about cervical decompression. And of course, I know everything because I helped develop it. And he went and turned around. And he says to Barry, you know what? What do you have to lose? You better try this. So Barry started immediately. Barry made the All-Stars five years in a row after that. And he's one of my best friends now. But that was maybe my most, I was most intimidated at that one time in my life. Because here's the guy who's the surgeon for these teams, professional teams, coming to my office. And he wound up being a nice guy. So much so, he put a decompression machine in his office. Oh, wow. Wait, wait. So are, are you saying I'm going to have a career and maybe get a contract with the MLB? Because I've been with you for a while now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I, tur I turned down the Yankees because I lived in Orlando. When I lived in Jersey, they didn't make me the offer. And I got my buddy the job for the Yankees as the chiropractor. And of course, that year they win the World Series and he's got a Yankees World Series ring. Oh my I God. nothing. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Oh, it's God. funny. But if ever I wanted to go to a Yankee game, I call him up. Oh, Doc, no problem. I'll yeah. give you the tickets. You're in. That's great. That's great. It really is good. I do appreciate it. 
that that you were open enough to invite a chiropractor onto your show. And I enjoyed being here. Yeah. Thank you so much, Jerry. Thank you for sharing those stories. And uh, to our audience, we will include a link to Jerry's chiropractic website. And we will also include a link to Julie's article in ENT Today coming out shortly. Julie, thank you again for co-hosting. It's my pleasure. I would love nothing more to ha- ha- make sure your neck is in good shape. So. <laughs> Appreciate it. Okay. And Aaron, if any of your friends want to call me personally, you'd call my cell phone. I would talk to them directly. Thanks, Jerry. Appreciate that. You're welcome. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe, rate the podcast five stars, and share with a friend. If you have any questions or comments, direct message us at at underscore Backtable on Instagram, Twitter, or LinkedIn. Backtable is produced and hosted by myself, Aaron Fritz, and co-hosts Chris Beck, Sabine Don, Michael Barraza, Brian Hartley. Our audio team lead is Kieran Gannon with support from Caleb Hodson and Ness Smith-Savadoff. Design and digital marketing led by Brian Schmitz with support from Zubi Syed. Article and transcript support by Taylor Robinson. And Delaney Aguilar. Social media and PR by Anne Dang. And newsletter by Lauren Fang. Intro and extra music is Ripperoo by Skeptic Moon. Find us on Spotify or at local live music venues in New Orleans, Louisiana. Thanks again for listening and see you next week.